Hey everybody, happy Friday. It's Nathan and I'm here with Kim and this is the Birds and the Lees. Kim, how are you? I'm good. Awesome. Well, tonight we have a very, very, very special guest with us tonight. A very close friend of ours, someone who we have known for a very long time. Chris Turner is here. Chris, how are you? I'm doing well. I have just come from dinner with my spouse, a child-free dinner. Nice. So always a treat, as all parents out there know. Yes, that's it. And uh, Chris actually, in Chris and I have been a part of another podcast in uh, recent years, the Big Fat Geek Podcast. Yes. So there's a little plug for that, though we are on temporary hiatus because one of the geeks has just become a new dad. And uh, he's adjusting to that. Yeah. So schedules are such that uh, that uh, we don't get together as much. But uh, Chris graciously, uh, kind of a, not the last minute, but earlier in the week, said, "Come on, I'll I'll be on it." And he actually, truthfully, has actually listened to us. So I think I mean, that's really good. I think we have to be honest that we don't exactly plan out. Like years in advance, what we're doing you here. Know, you know what? Having done done these with Chris for a while, we really don't. That's right. Sometimes just shooting from the hips is the best thing to do. It is the yeah. best thing to do. And and generally, out of all, all of us, Chris is usually the one who comes the most prepared. Uh, but. And tonight I showed it with nothing. It was, it was a little freaky. Yeah, he said that. He said, I've shown up with absolutely nothing. This is pretty yeah. amazing. And I thought, yeah, this is how we do things with no point and yeah. no plan. So, no, actually, we do have a plan tonight. As you guys know, uh, this podcast is about uh, families. It's about life. It's about friends. It's about ministry. It's about being in ministry, um, whether that's full time or whether that's, uh, you know, something you're involved in. Uh, as a passion of yours and tonight we're going to talk a little bit about that we're going to do a little bit like the question tennis we did on our last episode with uh, taylor and sarah um we've got some maybe some random ones in the old uh hip pocket here we'll see where we end up with that they're making faces at each other so i'm he's concerned cheating. he's looking at the question no he was drinking from his drink uh, so nope, in between nope. in between <laughs> questions are on this side <laughs> Okay. In See? between Chris okay. sneaking yeah. drinks and making out with my dog. Um, <laughs> hey, Dal. <laughs> no. Uh, He's kissing me, yeah, not the other way around. <laughs> we have a very affectionate dog who really likes Chris, and yeah. they're very, very yeah. good friends, very close friends for many years now. <laughs> um, but, you know, just to kind of to start off, Chris, we were just talking about this. We have known each other since... We were trying to figure that out, nail it. I don't think there's a, like a definitive date. No, there's not. But uh, our mutual friend Brent, who uh, you worked for at yes, the time, and yes. I became friends with, I, that he was the the nexus of our friendship. Uh-huh. So I would have pegged it somewhere in the, like the neighborhood of 2004, 2005. 2004, 2005. Yeah. I can actually remember the day that Brent uh, told me. He said, "There's a guy here at the church." You need to meet because you guys speak the exact same language. He said. He said that he's like, I don't know what he's talking about half the time, but you're going to. <laughs> and so, yeah, and, and immediately Chris and I hit it off because you know it's Star Wars and and comics and role playing, yeah, yeah, RPGs and things like that. So immediately we knew that we recognized also an affinity for '80s Christian hair metal. Yes, we very we, much. We so. love that. I mean, we've been to see Striper together. Um, we we regularly. I regularly get texts from you. <laughs> where it's either some kind of like reunion tour or somebody's come out with a new album. So uh, we have that in common as well. Uh, we are also, uh, the three of us, we are parents. And uh, we, uh, I think you have the oldest in the room. Uh, yes. Who's a junior in high school? Junior in high school. And you know, over dinner this evening, my wife and I were both like, we're going to have an 18-year-old in the mm-hmm. fall. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. oh my God, we're going to have an 18-year-old have in, an the 18. Yeah. in the fall. And we're so, getting yeah. to the point where we're thinking, okay, now we've got one who's going to start driving soon. Yeah. We what? actually left the house today and forgot to tell the kids. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's, that's the point in life Oops. we're at. But also... Not only did we forget to tell the kids, they weren't even at the house. Right. They, they, <laughs> were, at the, like, they were at the park or something. Yeah. And so... There was no concern at all. We just left. We which just was, left. Like, it just came over me like a wave. Like, whoa, this is a different time in life <laughs> and and that's something we've always talked about here's like these transitions like the couple we had on last week 
uh, they haven't been married uh, only a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, they're still in the process of uh, kind of still in that newlywed phase. And then here we are. We're like the old guard. Mm. Um, just, hey, you know, we're, we're in it. And Chris has always been kind of the gauge. It's like, okay, I'm just going to watch Chris. And- <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I'm not sure how great of a gauge I might be. Now I'm a little worried. But you are our next step. Yeah, Where you go, we go. This we, is true. We basically, yeah. you know, we follow behind you. So. Um, you know, so we've, we've known each other and we've been through, yeah, we got the way Brent would say, we got mileage, you know, as families. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, one thing that Kim and I, uh, part of that relationship that's so special to us is, you know, we have seen our kids grow up together. We've spent a lot of time together and, uh, we've run in the same circles. In fact, when we were even away coming back, uh, from Pittsburgh, which we've talked about previous episodes, we just kind of picked back up and, and, and ran with it, which is. You know what you what you hope for in your friendships is you know you just kind of pick up where you left off and you, you go and so um, yeah you know when you start thinking about it that wasn't it, it wasn't that long ago but it feels like you know it, I've always known you guys mm-hmm. like I don't I don't really remember much about not knowing you guys so um, but you know part of what we wanted to do is we just want to have some fun and and throw some questions and you know just discuss but uh, one thing that I find uh, very interesting about you guys and and one thing uh, that I know you're involved in that we did want to touch on because we do like to touch on our friends uh, involvement in ministry and how that impacts their family and stuff is uh, you and your wife um, are involved in ministry or at least with a ministry maybe uh, you're I don't know if I would say you're more involved with the day with the runnings of the ministry or the in, it's direct involvement, maybe. No, not really so much direct involvement. It's it's very indirect. Um, basically, I've put myself at the beck and call of the ministry. Okay, they, you put if, yourself at the beck. If and they call. need something that no one else can handle, yeah. and I'm available, I'm happy to, t- okay. to take care of it. Well, that is that ministry is, and you're going to have to help me with the names because these names have changed so many times. So the overarching is Tapestry. That's correct. It's Tapestry Family Ministry, and then within that there is the uh, Empowered Parent Podcast. Yes, except sort of the, the Empowered Parent Podcast was it, it's kind of an interesting history. So uh, originally, the ministry w- was part of a church, uh-huh. and the church spun it off uh, as its own thing. Yeah, and the podcast was originally started under the auspices of that ministry, well as at the church. And once it got spun off, we 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 took the. I guess you could say we took the podcast private. Yeah. Okay. It, it is actually part of a, a for-profit venture now. Yes. Um, we have a, a Patreon account. We mm-hmm. we solicit for Patreon subscribers to help uh, support us financially. But uh, they kind of worked. They coexist together. They, they coexist. They, they're partners. I would say at this point, the okay. ministry and the podcast. Well, and because we're friends, obviously you're friends, and this is Ryan and Kayla, and, and right. we're all friends together. So I can tease Ryan about making it so confusing that even <laughs> I don't even know what it is. You know, he talks to me about it, and I'm just nodding my head, going, "Oh yeah, I under- totally understand the the the, the tree here, the, yeah. the organizational tree." I don't know, mm-hmm. um, but hopefully one day we can. I'd, what I'd love is have the all of us sit around, you yeah. know, including them. Mm-hmm. Um, but kind of so your involvement in, in let's be uh, what we didn't really get into was this is uh, the emphasis and focus is on uh, if I correct me if I'm wrong, but it's, it's primarily uh, foster and adoptive families. Correct. Uh, the original ministry was uh, started in a church. It was a very grassroots effort. It was not started by a member of the church staff. It was started by lay people and it was primarily geared towards a small group of parents who had adopted mm-hmm. and had adopted internationally okay. specifically. And then it just kind of organically grew from there to encompass uh, adoptive families from all over. And in the adoption and foster care world, there's been a real shift over the past few years, less adoption, more foster care driven. Okay. And so I would say that's hmm. prim- the primary focus of Tapestry and our primary audience on the Empowered Parent Podcast, I would say, is more foster families these days than it is adoptive families. When uh, but I'm not saying it's like a huge majority swing. I'm, you know, it's probably yeah. more like one of those kind of sixty forty kind of things versus like an eighty twenty mm-hmm. you know, swing. When you're saying that, are you saying that 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 seems to be where your audience is going as you notice more and more, or you're saying across the country as a whole, there's more need for support? I think well, a lot of countries that used to be open to international adoptions Mm -hmm. have closed in recent Mm -hmm. years within easily last six to seven years to last decade. Mm. Um, Our child, so we we have two uh, adoptive children, one domestically, one internationally, and our international adoption was from Rwanda. Mm -hmm. 
And our child has the distinction of being the last non-special needs child who was adopted internationally before they shut down. Huh. Now, wow. Now, Rwanda was a special case in that the reason they shut down international adoptions wasn't because they didn't want to do them anymore. It was because they wanted to become a Hague Treaty compliant country, which okay. meant they wanted to institute a foster care system within the country and get the rest of uh, the country involved in raising Rwandans. So this wasn't in the mm. in the case because I've also heard of, and I don't correct me. You know, I had friends who were down in in Guatemala, and there were a lot of questions raised at times about legality of some of the adoptions, yeah. and there were some issues that were going on. Well, in Rwanda, it, well, that wasn't really the case because the way the government was handling things at the time, they had partnered with the Sisters of Charity, uh, Mother Teresa's Order. They were basically letting them run the adopt the international adoption mm. scene for them. Okay. Uh, the Rwandan government would, would handle all of the l- legal side of things, but so far so far as matching parents mm-hmm. with children, uh, they left that up to the sisters to decide. And they it left was a, it up to God, <laughs> so to speak. Yes, they really did. <laughs> yeah. um, and you know, uh, that's one of those things. I definitely believe that uh, our child is in our home because of God. Because yeah, uh, we had a very um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Enthusiastic advocate mm. in Rwanda yeah. who, uh, he was in ministry himself. So he had a relationship from that aspect of it with the sisters already. Mm. He was also an attorney. And so he had that relationship with the sisters right. having represented families okay. before. And he was advocating for us to mm. be matched for a child because apparently where we were on the list uh, with the Rwandan government, we right. probably never would have had a child mm. if it hadn't been for his really? efforts. Okay. So, That's awesome. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it was more about not so much they didn't want to uh, adopt it out internationally more. They wanted to they wanted to involve people within the country with raising their fellow citizens. Okay. And uh, foster care in Rwanda looks a lot different than it does here. Sure. The government does not offer any kind of financial benefit to families. Mm. So... Given the high lo- higher levels of poverty that you see there versus here, right. there's only a certain slice of the population there that's going to be financially viable mm-hmm. enough to take on additional children in their yeah. home. So it, when you say foster care there, don't think of the of it the way we think of foster care yeah. here. But yeah. it, right. hey, it's better than just leaving these kids running around the streets, which uh-huh. was a huge problem. Yeah. And you know we ha- we're involved with a ministry there uh, as well that that was their focus where mm-hmm. there were these street kids who mm-hmm. had either been abandoned or the parents had died. Uh, actually some of the original kids who were part of uh, the first house that this ministry put together were uh, genocide survivors. Their were parents, they really? Their parents okay. were, had died in the genocide in 94. And so, yeah, that's uh, it, it's, it, there's a need, right? Mm-hmm. And so the, the government recognized that need had finally gotten themselves to a place of stability. They could, start helping provide that need. And so the country's opened back up again, but it's not quite, uh, I want to say as easy as it was for us, because it certainly wasn't an easy process, right. but um, it is a little more difficult there now because they have all these other treaty restrictions in place now. Mm-hmm. But uh, for other countries, like say in Eastern Europe and specifically yeah. Russia, th- a lot of the those shutdowns were based more on a pride perspective than anything else. Oh, really? Oh, okay. And, to the detriment of the children because they did not have any kind of backup plan in place. Yeah. So it, that's real unfortunate for families who were willing to give these children a home. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that's just one of those things we have to leave in the hands of God yeah. to soften hearts down the road and open that back up again. Well, and that's, you know, uh, you you talk about softening hearts. And, and we've known many people who have, and even we at one point, uh, orbited the discussion about becoming foster family or uh, adoptive family. And, uh, you know, after having conversations with you, uh, it was, it was an interesting perspective for me in, you know, I've known people who, you know, the minute they say, yeah, go for it, go for it. And uh, one of the things I appreciated about you and, uh, and Kelly and and Ryan and Kayla, you guys had a very like, Okay, let's take a step back and think about this. And um, I've I've known several families or observed several families who kind of it's not like they rushed in, but it it wasn't what they thought it was going to be. Yeah, there is a there is definitely a rescue mentality among 
a portion of the foster and adoptive world, uh, especially within the church too, because, you know, there is a biblical commandment for us to care for widows and orphans, right? Mm -hmm. And I think when it comes to the caring part of that, too many people automatically jump to, we need to adopt or we need to be foster families. And you know what? You just might not be wired that way. You just really might not be. And that's okay. And people shouldn't beat themselves up about it. There's lots of ways that you can support people who are are adopting or fostering besides having to do it yourself. Because, yeah, we've, we've, fortunately, no one in our immediate circle of friends, we've not experienced someone who got into it and then bailed out, Mm -hmm. which leaves a child well, it's another it, it's it an worse abandon- It's yeah. another abandonment for that child, yeah. right? But those stories are out there. Yes. Yeah. And I, I think you're right, Nathan. There are some people who rush into it thinking they're going to do this great thing. And it's hard. Parenting yeah. just in general is hard. Mm-hmm. Parenting a kid from a hard place. And even if you get that child as a baby, that's still a kid from a hard place. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's a trauma. There's loss there that you're not going to realize you have to deal with until later in their lives. And then if you're adopting or fostering an older child, that trauma is going to be right there in front of you the minute mm-hmm. they, they walk through the yeah. door of your house. And I, a lot of people go into those situations unprepared. And that's mm-hmm. one of the reasons why we started the podcast was because we knew mm-hmm. uh, folks who would be interested might not have access to all the resources, mm-hmm. the books, the, the seminars, the conferences mm-hmm. that we've all been fortunate enough to go to yeah. and take part in. But we can give you a 20 to 30 minute podcast to listen to that'll help you, you know, with tools, with knowledge. Yeah. So you are a little more prepared. And a good chunk of our audience, well, I'd say good chunk, a very vocal minority of our audience that we've heard from real recently are either people who are starting with their first child in foster care or adoption or they're preparing to. Okay. And these are the people that I would love to encourage more of, you know, read the books, listen to podcasts like ours. Figure out what you're doing before you take that step in. Because again, it may not be for you, and that's okay. There are other ways that you can help. Exactly. Yeah, I think that's an important part to touch on. Um, I know when I helped out uh, two years ago, COVID, (laughs) two years ago with the Tapestry Conference, one of the reactions I got just being there was, oh my gosh, you don't have an adopted child? You're not fostering? And I think there is a real lack of um, friends stepping up and just being friends yeah, and being there to support. I can't say that Nathan or I have had to do anything we wouldn't do for any other friend um, for you guys as a family other than just be there. Yeah. Right. And so I don't know how to encourage, I I try to encourage my friends, but I find it really important just to be part of your circle because there are things you guys struggle with that maybe other families don't. Yeah, it's the struggles that I've, I I can't speak for all adopted and foster families. I can only speak for ours. I know that probably one of the the biggest lessons we had to learn, um, because we did go in a little bit blind to the whole Mm -hmm. thing ourselves. Yeah. Um, We were fortunate the tapestry was up and running at a time when we first started, when we stepped into the adoption uh, world. And there was an encouragement factor there with what we called waiting families groups, which we still do today. They've just gone virtual in the age of COVID. and. Going virtual also allowed us to open it up to other areas of the country as well. And mm-hmm. so uh, there was just parents who had not uh, adopted a child yet, but were waiting to adopt one mm-hmm. or waiting to foster. We were You were somewhere in that process. And, yeah, we met once a month or once every couple months and just, you know, sat around on, on couches and dining room chairs and just kind of talked mm-hmm. about if we had any news, just mm-hmm. what we yeah. were struggling with, that kind of thing. And it's sometimes it's just as simple as that just right. being a listening ear because I think the biggest lesson that we had learned early on was that behaviors that you may see from your kid are behaviors you're going to see at any kid but mm-hmm. in the adoption and foster care world you're going to see those behaviors sometimes at ages you don't expect to see them mm-hmm. oh okay because yeah. mm-hmm. you know trauma hampers development right. uh, especially in the brain and 
sometimes your your 10 year old's acting in a way more like a five-year-old right and yeah. that's because that development was was stunted somewhere along the way and mm. you can't treat them like a 10 year old in that instance you actually have to go treat them like a five-year-old right which is so counterintuitive right. to us as parents because we want to parent the kid we see in front of us mm-hmm. not the parent who's on the inside yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. sorry not the kid who's yeah. on the inside yeah yeah, yeah. Well, and you bring up a good point because um, you know we, we we're talking about uh, the empowered parent podcast and, and all the work that's been done to kind of educate. Um, but, and, and you can think that this only applies to foster and adoptive, but we've used um, the training in children's ministry, especially mm-hmm. in dealing with children mm-hmm. of trauma and being able to recognize yeah. that and being able to look at a child's behavior and not see it necessarily as not see it as this child's just a problem, but mm-hmm. there's something directly behind this that, and, and then have tools to be able to, uh, work with a kid, not just uh, not not you know try to uh, stop the issue per se, but right. be able to work with them, and th- and that's been super helpful. Especially, in fact, one of the first things I did at the job I'm at now was I took the team over to one of the trainings. We you know there were three of us, and we all jumped in and drove over to where they were doing what their one days, you know, like, and we went and did that, and immediately took ideas back to our classrooms mm-hmm. and implemented those and it, it was super helpful and uh I, and i think that's why it's important no matter there's just a wide range of application to right. the podcast like it, you don't i mean listen to it even as a parent you know there's there's application to that i mean you guys just did an episode with uh dallas our, our mutual friend of you know hey you're now a dad yeah <laughs> what do you do right <laughs> mm-hmm. And, you know, and Dallas said on the podcast that, you know, he felt very blessed that he's been able to be a part of it for so many years because mm. just kind of absorbing the things that we're ta- we've talked about. And, you know, he and his wife have talked about that kind of stuff even before, you know, she became pregnant and, and then their little one, you know, entered the world. So the, the, the system of parenting that we talk about, is, it's not specifically for adopted and foster parents. Yeah. You're right, Nathan. Yeah. It's called connected parenting. Mm-hmm. And uh, Nathan likes, I'm sorry, uh, Ryan likes to put it into the, the words that uh, Dr. Karen Purvis, uh, one of the kind of founders of this this movement of parenting, mm-hmm. uh, said, she goes, we just want to parent the way our grandmas treated us. Because mm-hmm. yeah. you, you think yeah. about how yeah. your grandma treated you. If you had one of those you know, sweet old grandmas, like I was fortunate to have you know, two of, um, mm-hmm. if you have a grandma like that, you know, your grandma treated you differently than your parents did. Yeah, yeah. yeah definitely. Yeah. And, you know, if you fell down and scraped your knee, grandma treated you a little bit different than mom or dad might have, especially yeah. <laughs> how you scraped your knee, right? Exactly. You know, I, I'm just going to say, I had a grandma that was a little bit crazy. Your grandma didn't. <laughs> so, that was not my experience. Yes. <laughs> it's not for everybody, unfortunately. Did, didn't your grandma steal toothbrushes? <laughs> No, she accused everyone else of stealing That's them, but what hid it was. them under her mattress. She hid them under her mattress and accused everybody of, of stealing yeah. toothbrushes. Yeah. Well. So I can appreciate that other people might have had that sweet yeah. moment. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, like you were saying, Nathan, uh, the things we talk about in the, pe- in the uh, podcast and the classes that Ryan and Kayla teach through their for-profit side of things, they're for any parent. They're not just for mm-hmm. adoptive yeah, foster parents. Yeah. That's who you know our primary audience is because we feel that those tools are mo- more useful immediately mm-hmm. to those kinds of parents. Yeah. Because most of us, let's be honest, we're going to parent the way we were parented mm. because that's really all we know, right? Mm-hmm. Our only yeah, example on a that daily was our basis. model, and we're going to follow were, that. Right. And connected parenting kind of breaks that model a little mm. bit. It's really hard sometimes to let go of your, your habits if you already had parenting habits before you got into this, this type mm-hmm. of parenting. And so um, there's some hard work involved, too, in it. You, you kind of got to think about your past. And for some of us, that's not a pleasant thing to think about, mm-hmm. to think about uh, trauma we might have experienced as kids and what, what that does yeah. carrying forward into our own parenting. So it, it's not an easy way to parent for sure. Mm-hmm. It's not a, I don't want to say intuitive because it probably should be more of an intuitive way for us to parent, but because of the way we were all raised, it's not. We're going to fall back on, the, on what we know I mean, what we know is the way we were parented. I listen to it on occasion, and I know Nathan and I... Um, I, th- I would say part of our story and part of our um, part of God's story that He's done through us is um, learning about Tourette's and having that part of our yeah. life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that was certainly a curveball even 
for Nathan. I mean, this it's a whole change in our lifestyle with having to learn how to deal with it and what that means. And I know the podcast personally has encouraged us as parents Mm -hmm. in how to deal with that, even though there's no foster or adoption. I mean, other than pets, whatever. (laughs) Um, And they have their own issues. That's the only one that's going (laughs) on here. (laughs) Yeah, he's a great example of (laughs) it. It affects everyone. Dash is a a kid from a hard place, too. He's just a little furry, four-legged one. He he continually reminds us he grew up on the streets. Yeah, that's a story for another day. Um, But... It is encouraging to listen to as a parent who maybe yeah. is having a hard day or, um, you know, one kid was being a tool and you just need to be reminded <laughs> of what your job is. Um, yeah. So I, I love it. You know, one of the things that we talked about in the training was uh, one of the markers of a kid from a hard place. And originally there were, I believe, five or six. And we've there's one that's been added since then. But our biological child has three of the mm-hmm. six markers. Yeah. And that wasn't something we'd really considered before. He had a premature birth, so he had early medical trauma. Mm-hmm. You know, he had difficult labor and delivery. Uh, you know, he was in the NICU for seven weeks before mm-hmm. he came home. So he lost out on a lot of that instant uh, touching and affection you, yeah. you, know, you get from, from yeah. uh, your parents naturally. And so that was really eye-opening for us, was that mm-hmm. this kid who's been in our home at the time for five years, right. you know, when we first started taking this training and stuff, uh, he hits those markers. We're like, mm-hmm. wow, that explains some stuff yeah. going on with him, yeah. right? Yeah. And so it really is eye-opening how applicable this this stuff is to all of us because you might not have thought about that either. Like, you had no idea mm-hmm. that Tourette's was going to be an issue for your family. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got a kid from a hard place. You got yeah. a husband from a hard place, yeah. Kim, yeah. because of that, yeah. right? They they've got one of those markers, and, and you so, don't find it till later in life, and then right, yeah. It's a good thing I'm so perfect. (laughs) (laughs) It's a good thing we don't do this on video. (laughs) But for $9.99 a month... (laughs) You too! (laughs) You can see all my reactions to whatever Kim says. Yeah. Um, Perhaps coming soon. Yeah, perhaps coming soon. So, so, well, that actually, uh, you brought up an interesting point because one of my questions was going to be, what was the thing that surprised you when you entered into this, uh, entered into this world uh, that you're in now? And and of course, finding out that your biological child hits three of those six markers, (laughs) right? That would definitely be a surprise. You'd be like, whoa, wait a minute. So, um, so, just. you know, we can we can take a turn here. You know, that's this has been something that we've enjoyed watching you be a part of, and we've actually mm-hmm. uh, sat in on you know some of the the idea casting that was thrown out when uh, certain portions of this ministry kind of transferred and changed and stuff. And that was fun to watch the brains come together from from people who knew what they were talking about uh, with the rest of us just in the room hosting the the location. Um, <laughs> but. Uh, uh, Again, ways you can help that you yeah. might not think yeah. of. Right? I mean, that was like a really fun night. That was like literally just giving up the house and saying, yeah. hey, here's a place you guys can sit. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, I am drawing a blank on a question. So I think what we need to do right well, now is go to a question. Your wife might well, have a question. Gonna, you might have a question. I, well, I don't have a question. I had a question and it went away. Okay, I was just going to say it's been fun doing life with Chris. We've done a lot of life. Like, yeah. like. Okay, so I have this funny memory, and I always forget who it was because you're, I love all your kids, and it doesn't matter who it was, but I met one of them at the airport when you guys came home. That would have been Nathaniel. That was okay. the youngest. <laughs> For yes. some reason, every time I'm like, I don't know who it was, but I know I went to the airport, and I'm pretty sure Leah Clark was there. She might have. She, she might, might have, have been. been. It was a very small crowd you know because our, our original flight, well, we missed our original flight back home. And it was super duper late. Um, because we were supposed to arrive in, uh, well, we arrived in Atlanta when we were supposed to arrive, but getting yeah. through customs because not only did we have to get through customs, we had to go through immigration too. Was it December? Uh, yes, it was in December. Very was, I, was I in Pittsburgh? No, you were there. I was. The, was I at the airport? No, he was not. I was at the not at the airport. Weren't. What it, year was it? I think he, it was 2011. He was coming back. I was coming back from Pittsburgh. Yeah, yeah. was he it went, really 2011? Yeah. I thought 2011. it was before. This that. is no. why I can't remember who it was because that was trauma for us. <laughs> we were in the middle yeah. of trauma. You were in the middle of 2011. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, I do remember standing out there. It was cold, and I remember. Th- so if it was December, I would have been here, but I don't know where I was. No. I'm, 
I don't remember. All I remember Who knows? is telling myself, do not touch the baby. Do not touch the baby. Because <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to touch it. <laughs> yeah, but I think Leah Clark was there. I really do. She may have been. Leah, if you ever listen to this, were you there? Let us know. <laughs> I'll we, see. Just, we should tell her you should listen. And truthfully, truthfully, <laughs> truthfully. You were, you were mentioned in the podcast, uh-huh. yeah. Leah. I will see her on Thursday, I'll ask. <laughs> Actually, I might see her on Monday, too. Um, nice. So, kind of... You guys got things always kind of cooking in the future for it. What's what's the next thing coming up for them? For who? For Empowered. Oh, for the podcast? You know, it's um, we kind of took things like I think most everyone in the country. COVID threw us for a bit of a loop. And, uh, but it also opened up some opportunities for us as well because we went through a couple dry spells in terms of recording. But then towards the end of uh, last calendar year, we got into... Uh, more of a rhythm, and we got to planning out things, bef- whereas we hadn't really... Uh, Did you hear that, Nathan? <laughs> I wouldn't say we <laughs> flew by the seat of our pants every single time we recorded, but yeah. we kind of had rough ideas what we want to talk about. I, but I always have a rough idea. I don't always have a plan. But as our audience has grown and as more and more people have uh, started looking towards the podcast as a source of information, we felt that... You know, there's probably lots of new people coming in, and we yeah. need to kind of go back to basics. And so okay. that's what our our focus this year has been, revisiting. is kind of go, revisiting these old topics. Mm-hmm. Because uh, a former pastor of ours once said, uh, there's no Christianity 102 because no one ever passes Christianity 101. <laughs> and I kind of yeah. feel the same about adoption and foster care and connected parenting. Yeah. There's so much to keep in mind and so much we could always uh, work to improve on as parents, it's always good to kind of be reminded of, mm-hmm. of those basics. And so yeah. that's been a lot of fun, re, kind of re-exploring the, those aspects again. Nice. That's cool. Well, we uh, we will definitely, uh, what we'd love to do is get everybody back in the room together and get Ryan and yeah. Kayla here. Because one, just being in a room with Ryan is <laughs> always a, an always, experience. I've always told Ryan that I want to do a podcast about the day Kim gave up on parenting. Like that's, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that's what I'll do with yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> that, that was an interesting day because I think he was fully supportive of you in that. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, you know what? I'm impressed it was just a day because I've had I've had more than one. No, so. no, no. The day meaning that was the day that oh. I was done. <laughs> that was the day that she literally <laughs> declared it on social media that Kim is done with parenting. I think there was even a hashtag. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Quickly yeah. circulated. Well, one of the things we started doing with uh, friends who are on here is we're going to do some question tennis. Okay. Are you ready for this? All sure. right. So each of us have two random questions that we've pulled. Uh, that we are going now, to... here's the rule. What's the rule? You can do that, or you can ask a targeted question. You can ask a targeted question, or you can pull one from yeah. the from the randomness. Okay. So, uh, it, yeah. you know, Kim, we're going to let you go first if there's a targeted okay. question. You, but you have to say if it's for the whole table, or if it's targeted at one per- person okay, in particular. I have one for Chris. You have one for Chris. Go. Yes. Okay. Your favorite quality about your wife. Ooh, my favorite quality about my wife. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's a hard one because there's so many to choose from. Well played, nice. sir. Nice, nice. <laughs> I don't mean that as a you know kind of kissy butt thing. That that's right. I, I do know you. you. You do not kiss butt. So this is true. That is true. I, Chris is not a butt kisser, which is probably to my detriment in some situations. But um, no pun intended there. Um, oh, I got it. Well, you know what? I, I'm, I'm going to go with this one because this was kind of. So my wife found a, a video that, thanks to Facebook and Facebook memories, she, yeah. fa- she found a something she did with our oldest when he was, I think, five or six years old. It was a little mm. c- kind of questionnaire from school. Oh, mm-hmm. nice. And it was about mom, mostly about mom. I think yeah. there was a question or two about dad there. And she sent it to me, and we read through it. It was kind of like, oh, that's funny, that kind of stuff. So uh, she sent me a video. She had our son sit on our bed and she just read the questions to him. Mm-hmm. And she didn't tell him until after that this was something that he had done right. as a five-year-old. She wanted to compare the questions. And one of the questions was, what is, your, uh, what is something that your mom is really good at? Yeah. And the answer he gave her, both as a five-year-old and as a 17-year-old, was she's really good at being a mom. Nice. And so um, I don't... And do, for those of you who don't know me or my wife, you might think this is a disparaging comment to say, but if you'd known my wife when we were both, say, 23, 24, 
I couldn't have told you what kind of what what kind of mother my my wife would be. Mm-hmm. I yeah. I would have had no clue whatsoever. So the other, quality, but I think that's actually an honest uh, yeah. assessment of right. anybody. Yeah. And now that I see but, what kind of mother she is, I'm amazed by it. And he's right; she's really good at being a mom. But I see how you could feel that because she's like super professional woman, right? Like right. she knocks it out of the park. So it's hard to take somebody who's super professional and be like, "Wonder what that's going to look like as a right. mom." Exactly. How's that yeah. going to translate? Yeah. yeah. And she has managed that transition beautifully. I would say. Mm, nice. That's nice. awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, uh, I would say that I had zero idea. I thought I knew what kind of dad I was going to be, and then I was one hundred percent wrong. So, yeah, <laughs> I, um, I, you know, I had all these dreams and aspirations, and you know, this, you know, tonight I went and you know stood in the doorway of one of my kids' rooms and passed gas and then ran away. So that's the kind of dad I am. Yep. I, I as long as I've known you, Nathan, I never would have expected anything less. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> Everybody who knows me is sitting there going, "Yeah, yeah, that's, that sounds that's, right. That sounds right. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah." All right. Uh, well, Chris, since you took that question, you get to ask the next one. Ooh. Okay. Uh, this will be a, t- uh, a this will be a question for the table. Okay. okay. What's the worst hairstyle you've ever had? Oh. Oh wow. Okay. <laughs> I'm just going to go with it. Uh, From 1987 to 89, I had a beautiful mullet um, that curled and it flipped. So it was like a ducktail. And so, um, yeah, (laughs) and it was really bad. In fact, what I might have to do is uh, for this episode, uh, I might have to post that as the episode picture. I could do that. Um, But no, it was, I mean, it was, now eventually if I'd let it go, it probably would have curled, but I definitely had like, if you've ever watched Alaskan Bush people, I had the, like the oldest son mullet going or the (laughs) second oldest son mullet going on. And it was, it was really awful. Yeah, that, yeah. So... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> don't do that again. Um, I, I don't think he is capable of it anymore. Yeah. I could do it. I oh. could do it. Yeah. That's so a little frightening. I think in about 92, I had a picture. It's a very infamous picture around here. Um, it was picture school day and I, or school, whatever they call it. I missed it at school. So clearly the next best day to have the next picture makeup day would have been on Halloween. Oh no! When I wore my fancy plastic skeleton earrings <laughs> with my orange pumpkin shirt <laughs> in middle school, I was so cool, y'all. This, and, but what about the hair? Oh, I'm getting there. <laughs> the hair had been like pulled back, but also I had huge bangs that were like halfway back my head. So it was like this hot mess of like no straightener, no. No, nothing done to my hair. It was really terrible. It was a really authentic Halloween hair hairdo. Yes. Well, and God bless my dad. He cut my hair until high school, and so also, yeah, mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also, I didn't know my hair was curly, and that created a whole other slew of issues. Yeah. We we met much later. <laughs> <in life>. Yeah, <laughs> yep. I, I will throw myself under the bus here as well. Um. I, I, I'm a firstborn, and firstborns, as a general rule, are kind of the, the rule followers uh, in a family. I said general rule because I know there are exceptions. Um, and you know, my my rebellions against my parents were, were kind of small rebellions. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And and one of those was that I was not going to have a hair, hairstyle like my father, despite the fact that my the natural movement and wave of right. my hair is exactly the same as his. Right. And so 80, late 86, sometime in 87, until sometime in 89, I had what you could only affectionately refer to as a butt cut, in that I parted my hair down the middle. Oh, oh you know, that's super I, popular right now. I, I yeah, did, it shouldn't be. I it did that really too. shouldn't be. I did that for a while. I did the butt cut for a while. It was rough. And so, yes, my senior picture is one that I wish I could fix the hair on. Yeah. And one of those uh, one of the things uh, I can thank my wife for is that her hairstylist when I went in to pick her up when we were dating uh from you know when she's getting her hair styled she obviously had been talking to her stylist about me and she goes you know your punch actually I, I got away from the butt cut and I started parting my hair on the other side rather than the side that I, I currently do okay, now. Okay, so you're going oh. the other direction. And so I was kind of fighting the natural direction okay. of my hair at that time. And she goes, you know you really should be parting your hair the other way. Huh. Like your hair just naturally kind of goes that yeah. way. 
and and she was right. And yeah, so been doing it that way ever save since. From, save from adult hair fiascos. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> nobody was ever there for me, and so <laughs> I, I also went through a bleaching phase oh of no. my hair. Yeah. Uh, okay, but. There was a phase that I also liked guys who bleached their hair. Yeah, so. yeah it kind of <laughs> worked. I went through yeah. the whole bleached hair, soul patch, and earrings phase. I looked like a oh no, uh, yeah, I looked like oh. a uh, limp biscuit album I was about cover. To say, yep, <laughs> it was pretty bad. All I remember is I dated one guy that used to bleach his tips. Is that a thing? That was a thing. That okay, a thing. he he bleached his tips. His name was Todd Boyle, and I really haven't seen him since college. All right. So hey, Todd, if you're out there, yeah. feel Todd. free to reach out to Carrie. Are, are your ble- I hope your are, tips have grown out. <laughs> yes. Are your tips to bleed? Well, and and uh, I will say, well, there was one act of rebellion with my hairstyle that I never did. I wish I had, but uh, Mike Lee from Baron Cross. Yes. I wanted that one, long hair with that one side bleached white. Oh yeah. That he had that looked ridiculous, but at the time we thought was so cool. Right. I wanted that because he had that he had straight long hair. He didn't have like teased striper. Yeah. Hair. He had long straight hair and. And he bleached one side of it. <laughs> and you know what? I, I that's as a metalhead, that's just always kind of been something I've been jealous of is the long hair because yeah. my hair, the texture of my hair, does not lend itself to long flowing locks of yeah. hair. I would yeah. never look good with long hair just because of the texture. And so, yeah, I, I've just always kept it short, and I'll continue to keep yeah, it short. I mean, if I used to, if I went for the full long hair, I would probably look like either Gordon Lightfoot or <laughs> John Bon Jovi without the tees. So, oh, yeah, it's pretty rough. So, I guess it's uh, my turn for a question. And and I can I draw two more. I don't have a question, but can I draw two more because these are two, these are two like you know happy. I'm looking for too something happy? with a little bit happy. of too happy. I'm not guaranteed. Oh yeah, let's see. Uh, oh yeah, okay. Here you go. Um, do this is for the table. Do you ever wish you lived somewhere else, and where would that be? Somewhere is like a, just another place or another place be, in time. It uh, could be a place in time. Let, well, let's mm. open it up for for. It could be a place in time. It could be a place uh, Ooh, location. Place in time totally changes. It. Place yeah, in time changes totally the change question. It. Though you know what, I, I've come to. As kind of a student of history, I've kind of come to appreciate more and more the day and age we live in. Yeah, there's no such thing as the good old days. There really is not. <laughs> if you think about, right. like, think about your own child. Okay, so I'm going to out myself as being really old here. So I was born in 1970, and so you know my my childhood was the 70s, and then teenage years into the 80s. Yeah, and I think about what we had available to us in terms of technology at that mm-hmm. time versus what we had technology. now. Yes, just technology. You count the phone as technology? <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'd much rather live now than, yeah. than then. Um, looking, let's go back farther. Let's go back to, say, the 1930s. Yeah. Um, there were still many, and I say many places, just within the United States, which we think of as a modern country, that did not have indoor plumbing in the or 1930s that or is electricity. True. Yeah, I would. Don't, I don't want to go back to those days. I right. like having electricity. We live in Texas; it's hot. I like my air conditioning. Right. Mm-hmm. So, I, I think th- when we think about uh, other times and places, we have a very romanticized view mm-hmm. oh, yeah, of yeah. that, and the hard reality would basically slap us all in the face. Well, and and. Uh, uh, that you say that we uh, I don't know if you ever watched Nate Bargatze who's a comedian no. you need to if you have not if you're out there listening Nate Bargatze mm-hmm. hilarious he's great uh, he's on Netflix totally clean comic but he makes a joke about uh, generations yep. and you know and he said anybody over like sixty he just goes or you know no sixty or seventy. He's just like he goes. I just say thank you for your service because back then most of them went to war anyway. Right, exactly. <laughs> it's like yeah. I don't even ask. I just look at somebody who's old and go, "Thank you for your service." And, yeah. and, and you know, and those folks, if they didn't actually serve, they were probably part of the war effort. They were yeah, anyway. Some way. Yeah. And I thought, and then I started thinking. I was like, okay, yeah. So that time period, yeah, you pretty much were. Uh, it was an accepted reality. You were going to go to war, so or yeah. at some point support mm-hmm. it. So, and what's fascinating about that too is this is kind of goes back to parenting and yeah. thinking about my own children. My own children right now are going to be looking at our wars in Afghanistan and Iraq the way I looked at our war in Vietnam. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And or then they're even World and, War Two. And they're going to look at Vietnam the way I looked at World War Two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as a child. And yeah. so, 
yeah, there's a lot to be said about. Well, you think about that. 9-11 is their Pearl Harbor. Right. Well, you know, and, well, not even for our children, though, because they were all born after. They were born. Yeah, exactly. You know, mm-hmm. um, it, I mean, it's it's yeah, I can remember my kids coming home from school and saying, hey, dad, you know about this 9-11 thing? And I'm like, yeah, I pretty much know. Yeah. You know, but then I say something like, hey, do you remember this Reagan got shot thing? And they're like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> they don't talk about that in school. Right. Or, mm-hmm. And I can tell you exactly well, where I was when I heard about Reagan getting shot. I can tell you because I was homesick from school when I heard about it. I was walking I was, down the... She I was been, what two. year was this? It was 1981. 81. I was barely walking. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I was in fifth grade, and my teacher... We had like a kind of a rotating duty in yeah. the class, and so there was some something had to be taken up to the front, like the front office or something, oh, yeah, yeah, or the guidance counselor, or whatever. And so it was my turn that day to do it. And I was walking back from the office when mm. the announcement was made over the loudspeaker oh, to the entire school. Oh, no, <laughs> and I, I, I was, I, can, I remember looking at the clock mm. on the wall, you know, those old simplex uh, yep, clocks yep. that yep. every Wasn't school that seemed to have at the time. Huh? Did it happen? Where did no? It, it happened in. Uh, no, it happened in, in D.C. Oh, okay. it was in D.C. Yeah, because okay. he was going to the car. No, yeah. he was coming out of a speech at a hotel or something like that. Okay. Yeah, and it was right on the street where it happened. Yep, yep. up close. I, actually, uh, I can also tell you where exactly where I was and when I found out when the Challenger exploded. I know that one too. I do remember that. Yeah. So here's one for you. Do you know where you were when the Potomac River crash happened? Because uh, I was at home as well. Uh, Which one's watching that? that. The Potomac River crash is a... When Sully landed the plane. Sully. No, 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 oh, no, 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 no. Not that P- one? Potomac River. Oh, Potomac River. That was the one in winter where the plane hit the bridge oh, and went into yeah. the ice and all those people died. Um, I remember watching the news coverage of it. I couldn't yeah. tell you exactly I where I was. We didn't watch a lot of news. You were not old enough to remember, but a okay. plane went uh, into the Potomac River in winter. Uh, hit a bridge like it hadn't de-iced properly or yeah, something. And it, it was de-icing. They, if I remember, they, they couldn't get enough lift on yeah, takeoff and just and just it, right yeah. into the river. Yeah. And if I am correct on the story, uh, my dad's sister was one bridge over when she heard the plane go over. Wow! Yeah, she actually heard it go over. Is I the think story I might I've not heard. Drive again. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, you, you know, I well, mean, it, you, you know, think about that. It's, there was a plane crash in in just uh, off the New Orleans airport property years ago. Yeah. Uh, my wife's uh, father was a city councilman for the city of Kenner at the time. Mm-hmm. For those of you who don't know anything about New Orleans geography, the, the airport, the New Orleans International Airport is not in New Orleans. It's right. actually in the city of Kenner. And he has stories about going and pulling bodies out of the oh, wreckage gosh, because they had, didn't have enough first responders yes. on hand. So basically anybody who was willing to go out and help oh, was tasked with yeah. it. That's so, awful. She, you know, that's what Kelly says it was a, a childhood memory of her was her dad coming home and just the look on his face. Mm. Oh yeah, I mean you don't, you don't, hard. yeah, you don't let that go easily. So okay, Kim, uh, place, time, or wherever you would live somewhere else than now. Um, what's the city on the way to your parents' house that I love? <laughs> okay, we're Des Moines. Gonna, yeah, Des Moines, Iowa. Okay. Des Moines. For some reason, I am so fascinated with Des Moines. Or is it the, is it the name Des Moines? No, it no, it's cool. just a nice little town. It like it's cute. it's kind of nice. It's it has really nice seasons. They have seasons, unlike yeah. here in Texas, where they we do. have they get winter snow. for a week. They don't get stupid hot. Yeah, the architecture there. I love architecture, and it's anything between super old and really fun modern mm-hmm. um the shops there are very comparable to what we have here they have nice which is important for her yeah that was my one issue in pittsburgh <laughs> is the shops were hard to find that i loved well they were also <laughs> 40 minutes away to get to yes. anything that you wanted to go shopping for yes but yeah the, i always thought that was funny because the first time we drove up uh when we were uh married we drove up to visit my family in wisconsin we drove through des moines and she was like this is really cool because what you if you've never listened for kim up until she married me never lived anywhere outside of dallas and had never gone anywhere further north than oklahoma right there was that short stint where i went to south korea and well but that's yeah (laughs) (laughs) which is a story i continue to love to this yeah Yeah. no 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 we're not talking about getting thrown out of best korea we're talking about True. I'm and sorry. It's a story. Please don't cancel me. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's true. It but is the best career. It is the best career. <laughs> but Des Moines, yeah. So I've lived in Dallas mostly all my life, and I just think it's a sweet little city, as well as Little Rock. Yeah. Those yeah, you do like Little Rock a lot. I think it's a really neat city. Um, 
I but we're excommunicating Colorado from this because that's like dream world. That's like mm. the given retirement yeah. plan. Yeah. So I think it's fair to say that you can't yeah. count that. Um wow, where would I want to go? Uh I this is something that Kim and I have recently she's never really realized this about me, but I would love I'm not a beach guy but i love coastal towns Mm. i like ocean towns i like you know whether it's in the northeast whether it's you know i would probably live and be super happy in someplace like maine on the coast um you know even that the winter and the cold and all that you know you really count that as a beach town like i I said i meant coastal town coastal Coastal town Uh, you know, uh, you know, an old sea town kind of thing yeah. that's that's you know old and everybody's flavor, you know, colorful and full of flavor and <laughs> however you want to say it. And you know, then they go out and kill the shark after it eats a kid. Right. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's got to okay. be a million quints We're out there on the east coast. I'm sure there are. <laughs> Next level. Okay. Mo- movie reference there. <laughs> okay, so Chris didn't answer. Chris did not answer. Yeah, did you not answer? I did not. You did not. You did time period. Yeah. So I think for me, if um, if money was not an issue for it, because um, money is an issue for it, let's be honest, right. I would say it would be the island of Kauai. Uh, oh. Oh, that's right. You, you're Hawaii. a big Hawaii fan. Um, I should, probably shouldn't have said that because now people are going to look up Kauai. They're going to see how beautiful it is, and they're all going to want to go vacation there. And I kind of want it to be uh, the world's best kept secret. I'm just going to say that the... Eight downloads we have per podcast <laughs> Maybe probably the one. won't influence how and, busy the island. And one of those is probably me. So, <laughs> well, yeah. and that one, the one in Iran. So, <laughs> okay, well, you know. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, uh, yeah it's uh, that's kind of like my happy place. Um, mm-hmm. I, I love that island. We haven't been in a while. Is, it's probably time to go back again. Not is, take my children. I so. don't know. I hear COVID's really hard to get over there. I mean, I have a friend that just got back this week. No. Yeah, yeah. That, that's right. We did have someone go down there, or you had a friend, not me. I had a friend. I don't have that yeah. friend. But uh, the first uh, the first trip we took there, we were on uh, one of the snorkel cruises, and uh, we were there with a local who whose sister was visiting, and so she they were kind of doing touristy things together, and she was telling us that she held down two jobs to be able to afford to live there. Yeah, it's real wow. pricey. And and she worked for the state government was what was her main job oh, and they pay well so they pay well so yeah. she says for people who don't have a job like me most mm. of them are working three jobs oh, to be able to live there then it's not even fun to live there correct yeah, yeah. You right don't so you're either living like on the edge of poverty to mm. enjoy yourself living there yeah or you're working just to afford to, to live there unfortunately is that yeah. the same but, island i don't know all the islands that are there but there's an island that has like rice patties or something where you get in inner tubes and you go through them have you heard of you can there that's through a coffee that's through a coffee grove that's through a coffee plantation well that might be on uh, that might be on maui maui's got a good uh i don't know i don't know about i haven't heard about that there's there's one that's really cool there are rice patties uh distinct Mm -hmm. ones down in hanalei on Kauai. uh there's actually one of the uh Photo, photogenic stop, you know, mm. roadside places mm-hmm. to stop at. I've got a great picture of me and Kelly mm. uh, with those patties in the, in the mountains in the background. So, so, so let me ask: Have you had a picture in the Jurassic Park Valley? I have a picture of the Jurassic Park Valley, but not in it. But not in it. Well, no. let's just say because the, because the only way to get into it is either to have a helicopter yeah. drop you in it, yeah. okay. you boat to it, or you hike into it. Okay, so it it's not, not accessible by roads. Okay. Your your wife is not hiking. She is not. <laughs> <laughs> now look, our first trip there, she did go on a hike. Yeah, um, she was a real trooper. It was definitely not her bag. Yeah, it was like an almost all day thing, and so she was really happy when we got back to our condo, showered, and we went out to dinner that night. Nice. And yeah. had, yeah. I will say, some of the best coconut trip I've ever had in my life. Man, that stu- there is, that still sticks with me to this day. There is no better food than after a really long hike. Right. I mean, it could be like Rice Krispies. And I'd be like, this is the best. <laughs> I don't. Food I don't know. A, a, a full coconut shrimp dinner after a hike would probably be my well dream or something along those lines. We, yeah. yeah, having been a seafood family for so long when growing up. Yeah. yeah. So, well, do you have any more questions? I don't. I'm Chris, good. you got anything you want to add? Anything you want to say? Anything you want to pitch? Well, this um, pitch. this this is an interesting, <laughs> interesting oh, question. He's got an interesting question Here because I don't have one. Okay, go for it. What are your most treasured family recipes? 
Oh. Oh, because you don't have one. Yeah. Well, okay. I don't have like a recipe that was handed down to me. I do have a favorite, a treasured family recipe that was served to me. Yeah. My, right. my, my mom's grand, my mom's mom, my grandmother on my mom's side, um, made these incredible apple fritters. Mm. And oh, you need to get a hold of that. Got to the point where mm. the only time she ended up ever making them was when we came to visit. Because she knew I loved them oh, so much. Oh, that's fun. So that was, but you, know, you don't know the recipe for I them. I don't know the recipe for and them. And there's no way to get it. And there's no way to get it because she, she passed away years ago. I think my mom has tried to recreate it. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, there's it, that's hard you to do. You know how grandmas are. They're yeah. not going to buy a, a book with a list on well, it. They're, they're just s- kind of winging it as they go. Right. right? And they just kind of instinctively know exactly what goes in it, how and, much, and all that kind of and stuff. And that way so. they hold the power. <laughs> that's right. That's so true. They, they, they retain the power. I would say... We have a couple that I use. Let's well, see what your answer is. I'm my not answer, answer first. Well, I mean, my mom's stromboli we make all the time, but this is because I don't get this anymore. But my every Christmas Eve, my parents made oyster stew hmm. for Christmas I'm Eve. Ju- I'm not a seafood person. She's not a seafood person, so we don't do it. But yeah, it was basically. There's other reasons for that, though. There's mm. we do a charcuterie board, which. Way before it was called that, we called it German Food Night. We do that. We've yes. done that for years, uh, but only because he has to teach yeah, on Christmas yeah. Eve. Mm-hmm. So but making a, a meal of any sort is out of the question. But this right. was basically like a milk and butter, like chowder broth, real light kind of, but not as thick. And then just dump oysters in there with potatoes. Mm. And, you know, of course, in our family, it was, you know, there was always this don't get all the oysters kind of thing. You know, you might stab somebody because we (laughs) liked them so much. But I haven't had it in so long. Um, But, yeah, it was something that because, you know, as a kid, all I wanted were the oysters, you know. But what I learned was you could just eat it by dumping oyster crackers in there and soaking it all up (laughs) into this sludge. And it was just so good. It was salty. It was creamy. It was butter. It was. Yeah. So that's that's probably the one that I remember in. And miss the most because it was just such a big deal that we would do it. Mm-hmm. I think mine is Nathan makes a really killer um, fish tacos with a lime cilantro, mm. uh, not glaze. It's it's like it's like it, there's there's a dressing that I make out of Greek yogurt and um, cilantro, lime, and stuff like that with paprika. It's something I we went to Costa Rica a couple of years ago and I ate fish tacos for every dinner mm-hmm. at this we had this forty dollar so a night good. hotel on the beach like it wasn't a resort it was just yeah and so you literally would sit there outside your hotel room and watch the guy show up with your dinner and pull it off the truck and hand it to the chef and so it was like okay i'm having fish tacos because i just watched the fish come here it's and also the reason we no longer buy corn tortillas mm. we only make them ourselves we make them wow because yeah. it's different yeah. Well, yeah, we make our own. Um, so, yeah, she we, we learned how to do it. And, yeah, mm-hmm. so I think that's probably the one that we do as a family. That's ours. I don't think we handed it down from anybody. From my family, what's been handed down? Um, I have a recipe book from my mom, but from the holidays, because her parents, my mom's parents lived in Alabama, so we didn't do a lot of holidays with them. Yeah. My dad's fa- family lived here. Um, my grandmother had a hot german salad warm german salad mm. the potato salad that i didn't necessarily love but every time i eat it it reminds me of those memories yeah yeah and you're a big fan of hot germans i'm just kidding <laughs> i mean i'm not I we'll edit that out <laughs> <laughs> or not or not yeah or not let's just leave I it mean, there i mean i don't have a thing against a hot german <laughs> I don't know. I, you just said hot German, and in my mind went foom. <laughs> they make good cheese che- they and make beer. And beer. I don't like beer. Well, that's true. You don't pretzels. Ooh, pretzels. Cheese. We're having. Yeah, we have a uh, we have a young adult life group. We're part beer, cheese, and pretzels. Ooh, beer, cheese, and pretzels. <laughs> I can do that. We yeah, have a, we yeah. have a young adult life group that we've talked about. And we had a couple of members on it last week, but we're having pretzel night this Sunday. There you go. So it's a celebration of the pretzel. It's going to be awesome. Okay, so I have one last question. You got one last question. Go for it. Who should our next guest be? Ooh. That's such a broad question. I know. Y- y- you know, uh, this is a totally selfish uh, choice, but uh, you've mentioned him more than one time uh, just this evening, and I'm sure you've mentioned him on previous podcasts before. But Mr. Brent Lamb, to me, is a fascinating individual just given his history in the he's recording so, industry but here's yeah, the, okay yeah. here's my thing 
He's so cool. Yeah. And I don't know that he would ever d- d- like lower himself to this. <laughs> we're, we're, we're definitely <laughs> punching above our weight. Yeah, I feel like like I'm a two and he's like a nine. And no, then let's 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 not. No, let's let's be real. I work with Brent. Brent's Brent's a very down to earth he's dude. very kind he's super down to earth he's just a guy in fact I, he would be the last one to sit there and go oh i you know but uh, i just find it fascinating that i know the worship pastor who i used to read about in contemporary christian music magazine in the 80s yeah you know? yeah well and it, but, you know, okay so here's here's my confession i know everybody that he like knows right but i don't know him from those days yeah <laughs> i don't know brent yeah. and and i was listening to that stuff but i don't know brent um, I except one of the songs he wrote was one of my mother's favorite songs that's awesome. Yeah, his so. his version of people in ministry over the last twenty years would be really interesting. It is yeah. really interesting because he yeah. has a whole different take on yeah. families and ministry than well, I any do, of us have had. Yeah. I do know he has considered starting a podcast. So um, so I say maybe, we, and he knows a lot more about sound than I do. So maybe we can get him hey, to make it sound better. Right? Yeah. You invite him on yeah. as a guest. You guys mm. like teach a me long, how to do this. Springboard into his own thing. There yeah, you go. we well, can do that. I'll talk to him. Maybe he will come on there. We'll do it as yeah. a Zoom call. <laughs> Brent can come on. Uh, he's yeah. Brent's uh, yeah. Or I could or do we that. We could do it at church. We could there do it go. at church. I could sit in his <laughs> office because he's got all the recording stuff I there. Already there. I Just, bet you yeah. know a guy with like keys and stuff. <laughs> I, yeah, I do. Okay, yeah, I'd, I'd yeah. be down for that. Let's talk to Brent and okay. just get his wisdom and advice on on ministry. Yeah, he's a. Uh, the thing with Brent is he's got so many stories. It's right. really difficult to narrow them down. Like you're just gonna have like I have to have a whole series with him. Yeah, you would. Like you'd have to have stages of his life. Like okay, yeah, this exactly. stage and this stage no, and this but stage. But when we're talking about ministry, I mean, I think we could have a good conversation about. We could, yeah, ministry. That'd be good. And what's changed? Yeah, from, let's do it. Let's go yeah. for it. He'll be he'll be our highest profile uh, guest go. of all time, and I go eat at JC Burger with him all the time. <laughs> No, that's uh, that would be cool. Okay, so I'll take that under advisement. I like that. Yeah, that's I like that great... idea. Let's mm-hmm. do it. Let's do it. Well, we have come to our hour, and uh, unlike the Big Fat Geek podcast, we try to stay at an hour. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas on BFG, we just ramble. And we just we ramble. Run, and run, and run out of steam. <laughs> yeah, we run out of steam or somebody yeah. falls asleep. But, uh, hey, we really appreciate you coming on, Chris. Thank you. Well, thank uh, you for having for me. For a Friday night, um, you know, and just... Uh, uh, it's been fun. We knew it would be fun, and so uh, you, know, you know we definitely would love to have you and the rest of uh, the uh, Empowered Parent podcast. And again, that is the Empowered Parent podcast. You can find it everywhere. Podcasts are sold. Yes, for free. <laughs> yes, you can find it everywhere. Uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, we're on Spotify. Uh, I think we're on Stitcher. Dallas does an amazing job of yeah. putting us yeah. places where I. I might not think to put us. Exactly. And so uh, yeah. my, my, my kids thought it was pretty cool when they could, you know, go ask, Alexa, can you play the Empowered Parent podcast? It would actually start playing. And yeah, so. that was uh, that was interesting. This first time we did this one and you could yeah. Alexa would start playing it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, and, and as you said, you guys have a Patreon. So if you guys like what you hear, go ahead and yeah, uh, go to Patreon.com slash Empowered Parent. And uh, for as little as five dollars a month, you can financially support us. And uh, we've got a. a I don't say secret Facebook group, but it's a Facebook group just for our Patreon subscribers, mm. and you know, kind of gives you a little behind-the-scenes access uh, to Ryan, Kayla, and myself. Kayla's really uh, the driving force uh, there on Facebook, and so you know, you ask questions, get answers, and uh, mm-hmm. for higher levels uh, for Patreon subscribers, we even have one-on-one coaching. Uh, nice. With Ryan and Kayla, so we will not be doing well, coaching. We could totally do coaching. <laughs> We're not doing coaching. It'd be a massive failure. <laughs> yes, it would be a titanic <laughs> failure. There would probably be lawsuits. Yeah, there are reasons why I let Ryan and Kayla do the parenting yeah. because, uh, yeah. yeah, if you ever remember the uh, Arlie Ermy uh, Geico commercial of him as a as a therapist, oh, yes, as a know, therapist. Mm. that's that's me. Yeah, I, I that would not be, be the me. one you come to for the advice. Well, I have one more thing before you close it out. All right, go. I just think it's important to um, occasionally say thank you, and Nathan and I both want to thank you for being such a great friend. Oh. We do real life and real things together. And yes, we do. Not always easy, but um, here we are, ten years later, right? More nope. than that. Nope. More than that. More than that. Did we decide it was like sixteen? Well, for me and him, it's yeah. it's a long time. Yeah, it was 16. pretty soon after you guys got married, if I yeah, remember correctly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it was. So, yeah. 
you're kind of ride or die. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Ride or that's, die. That's the way I feel too. Yeah. yeah. You know, Ryan and yeah. I decided a long time ago that there's only two ways out of our friendship. Yeah. Either one of us willingly leaves the other or we die. Yeah. And so that's, yeah, that's pretty much how I feel about you yeah. guys too. That's and, us. And Brent yeah. McKinney's right there mixed in. Yeah. So. yeah. Oh, there's another one we need to have on here. Brent yeah. McKinney. I gave him a long speech before he left about not. We you don't have a choice in well, right. That would be. <laughs> let's get Brent, Chris, and me on there and see what oh, happens. Good Lord, yes, that would be like Ooh. just absolutely insane. Well, if you guys uh, are here tonight, thank you for listening. Thank you for uh, listening to our previous episodes. If you ha- this is your first time, go back. I mean, there's like 19 or 20 episodes where we just kind of walk through yeah. different subjects, our life. Uh, I learned things about Kim that I didn't know before. You do to learn this things really? about her. Yes. Oh like yeah. What? Some of your dating situation. <laughs> yes, her dating situation. Well, was it like three dates in one night? Three kind dates of in one yeah. night. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think I've ever heard that story before. You've never heard that did story? I, did I tell it as a whole? I think you it's did. It's pretty yeah. funny. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, we definitely appreciate you. Hey, if you want to get in contact with us, we have an email address, podcastingleads at gmail.com. Send your ideas. If you have an idea of something we should talk about or a person we should contact or talk about, especially if it's easy enough that we can just like uh, already know them, that's great. But. Uh, <laughs> But so hey, for you three people that listen, we're willing we're willing to go out on a limb uh, here. But again, uh, you know, f- just thank you for tuning in, and we hope that uh, you have fun listening, and maybe along the way you uh, have an interest in in what we're talking about. But again, uh, have a great weekend, and we will see you on the next o- episode. This is Nathan, and this is Kim, and our guest Chris. Hello, and we will see you later. Bye.